I think it's actually hardened a lot of our a lot of our cultural values because we put them in place, we finalized them, illustrated them in January of 2020, and then we went into an environment where nobody had the answer. You know, so that's what we really looked to is like, okay, if we, if this is how we agree to be as a company, how do we decide what to do now? Welcome, and my conversation today is with Martha Shaughnessy Convery of the class of 1997. She's the founder of The Key PR, and I suggest you check out the website. It's pretty cool. It's very refreshing. Martha talks about her background in both SI and Cornell and how that prepared her to found and run her own business. I think you'll find her to be very self-aware and uh, really a lifelong learner. I was very impressed uh, by that and um, impressed with not only the business that she's running, but how she's running it. And I think you'll see our Jesuit values shine through in that. Martha Shaughnessy Convery. Love to ask you about your, um, your SI experience. What were some of the things that resonated, kind of stuck with you from your, your four years uh, out at the Sunset Campus? Oh, man. What didn't? Uh, I got teased in college about being like the only person who still talked about high school and <laughs> loved high school so much. So I remember being abroad and there'd be like a St. Ignatius Street in Lisbon or something. I'd be like, can you take a picture of me? <laughs> and my friends thought I was a big dork. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of dabbled in as many things as I could at SI. Um, soccer for sure. So we had a very dominant women's soccer program. Um, and as a sophomore, I got to play with my sister, which was really cool. And I can still remember all kinds of games, including that we were the first class that didn't win the championships or the GPSL. Mm-hmm. So that's a forever yeah. scar. <laughs> <laughs> the things we remember. Yeah. I still talk to Marla, the trainer, when I see her about certain ankle injuries and other things that she tortured me through <laughs> when I was that age. Um, but I also um, did theater, which I loved. I was just kind of like an extra in the back, uh, but loved uh, sharing the theater with Mr. Divine and Adam Jacobs from my class went on to Broadway. So oh, I always feel like that makes me like kind of famous. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then, you know, retreats and I went to South Central and East LA for my immersion, which was really a standout experience for me. Um, so many things really. I still, I'm, I'm going tomorrow to see five of my, classmates from SI and all of our kids. So we, we still keep in tight touch That's all awesome. these many years later. Mm-hmm. Your um, uh, folks from your era will certainly know you, but folks from the last 50 years or so will, will remember your dad, the iconic Michael Shaughnessy Shag. What was yeah. it like having, um, having your dad at SI when you were there? Uh, well, we, we intentionally did not have me in his class. <laughs> Good move. Yeah, my sister did have him, so uh, I think maybe they learned a lesson there. Um, what did he mean? He made his match. I, mean, it, well, I think he kind of was like, "You have to do your homework, even though you live in my house." <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was it was pretty cool because luckily he was a pretty beloved teacher, um, yeah. so I already had that experience as a kid, you know, meeting people and then kind of being starstruck that. Uh, that was my dad and talking about how he changed their life or how he inspired some sort of level of service or different understanding of the world. So 
he definitely has a distinct role in a lot of people's lives. Yep. We, um, we, we hear, I hear that a lot from grads, actually. Something he said yeah. in class or, you know, nudged them. Um, certainly uh, uh, kind of prodded at the conscience, right? Especially yep. when he was teaching juniors. Anyway. Yeah, made people think differently about things, ask questions in a way that kind of stuck in people's brains. Um, I did get, I was the only Shaughnessy of my generation who frequently got detention. <laughs> so I did get more from, there was one year when he was like, if you're going to get detention, could it at least be not people from my department? Cause he was the head of the religion. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. But I also asked, you know, pressing questions and that sometimes didn't go. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. On things to go. Um, I also, you know, he was at every game. My grandpa, who was also an SI grad, came to all of our games, all of our performances. So there was a real kind of um, family presence at SI. Lineage there. What did you? What did you do after? What did you do after SI? Uh, I went to Cornell. So I went uh, about as far away as I could get in the country. I always thought that college should be, you know, in stone buildings and snowy mm-hmm. winters, and. Went there, uh, walked onto the soccer team, and I actually broke my collarbone my recruiting summer while being a camp counselor at SI mm. Sports Camp. So mm. uh, that changed things for me in a good way, I think. Um, and ended up studying cultural anthropology at Cornell um, and had a great four years there, too, but then came right back to San Francisco. <laughs> right back. The snow gets old in February, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you're you're the founder of the Key PR, and um, I, you know I think fair to say I recognize a business leader in uh, that area, run a successful company. Um, Thank you. T- tell us about uh, the Key PR. What is it? What do you do? And what what prompted you to to start this company? Yeah, um, we work mostly with early stage tech companies, although we work all the way up through public companies and also have some nonprofits and non-technical clients as well. Um, and I got into PR right after I graduated from school. Um, I came back in 01, which it was a time that'll be familiar to a lot of folks who are graduating now where the markets had kind of crashed and felt like tumbleweeds were rolling around downtown San Francisco. So my first job out of college was actually at a florist. So I was scrubbing buckets and delivering heavy, uh, heavy arrangements. Um, having graduated magna cum laude from Cornell. <laughs> like, cool, you, cool. This is, this is not what I planned. <laughs> proud of me now, dad. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up starting at a, um, an agency that did mostly arts and nonprofit work in the city. So I got to work on the opening of union square and the opening of the Asian art museum and with the symphony and kind of iconic city things, which was really cool, but, um, wasn't a good fit for me there. Uh, I actually got fired from my first job, (laughs) which goes tracks along with founder mentality detention in high school. Uh, I had a, manager I loved for my first couple of years. And then a new one who came in and said things to me like, why do you use SAT words in your writing? And I would say, why do you use high school aptitude tests to measure my adult work? Uh. <laughs> so insubordination was maybe something I picked up from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just stayed in the, in the comms world for a long time, went over to tech as tech kind of became something regular people needed to know about um, in about 05 and stayed there forever at a, at a company um, that I really liked, kind of helped create that company, but we got acquired um, right around the same time I had my first son in 2013. 
And being in a big company culture just wasn't a good fit for me. I ended up kind of managing budgets and managing timesheets and um, really saw how I was one of the only women in the management level. So I was a managing director and there was one other woman in the United States and I had, I was like different age, different mentality, different gender. It was a hard, hard mix Mm -hmm. for me. And so um, I laid myself off in 2016 um, and I'd had the plan for this company for a while. Um, there was just a good moment, uh, kind of financially and client wise for me to push myself out the door. And then that was the election year. So I kind of took a pause, ran the women's March in San Francisco while we were building up the company and launched formally in 2017, basically to create a company that I thought better matched, uh, today's culture of work and something that was more welcoming to women, to parents, uh, I was thoughtful about how we hired to be more representative of the country than you tend to get in kind of coastal tech companies. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say it's, it's refreshing and, uh, folks who I think would get a key out of going to your website, um, I, what's the the title page? High impact, no BS, right? Yeah, low BS. <laughs> low BS. Yeah, there you go. And um, it just you, as you read through it, I think you get a sense of uh, some humor, some uh, you know, peel back the the BS, if you will, and get right to the you know, right to the heart of it. And it sounds like you guys are very client based. Yeah, you know, I made the realization especially when I became a mom, but before that, even like you spend more time with the people you work with than your family a lot of the time. So if you can't be yourself and have fun with what you're doing, then it's probably not a great place. So we try to be as, as clear about who we are uh, and who are not so that we can attract folks who uh, live by what we call the key agreements. Um, So we're very kind of culture forward. um, And so far so good. Well, how would you describe the culture at your company? Um, well, you could see the key agreements on the website, but we are very team sport oriented. Um, so that's one play a team sport, go beyond, which I think of as a very SI thing, you know, uh, do the little extra, make sure you're really putting your, your best effort forward. The modules. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we added, we speak truth. So that's what you talked about. You know, there's not a lot of BS. There's not a lot of sugar coating. We'll just tell you, uh, what things are or aren't and how we can work together to improve them. Um, and we have a, a real social impact kind of preference and bent to the company. Um, we actually do preferred p- pricing for underrepresented founders and for social impact companies um, because most of our referrals come through VC. So if we want to change who we're working with or expand who we're working with to better match the kinds of companies we want in the world, um, we have to kind of, put that message out into the world. Otherwise we'll have a very uh, redundant set of folks, which we also was also great. It's not one or the other. It's kind of a mix of, of all. Um, but also speak truth comes down to things like the, during the George Floyd murders were like, cancel your announcements. No one's one, no one wants to hear from you. And companies who'd been working on things for months and months were like, Oh, oh okay. And so we ended up adding another agreement about fighting systems of oppression. So our mission at the company is to tell a new story. And we think about that, not just in terms of our company, you know, our clients messages, but also who's included, what kind of references, what we think about in terms of the impact of the technology or the product on the world. 
And 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 I, and I know you've spoken to that uh, for our listeners. Uh, Martha's on our uh, alumni board as well. We've had conversations around equity and inclusion with the alumni board, and you've been very articulate about that. Um, you go to your website. You're a very diverse company, almost all women. Um, speak to that and how uh, you know that's kind of influenced your uh, role as a leader for the key PR in the business world. Well, the, the woman part or the diversity or both, <laughs> oh, you know, what's, um, yeah. like, uh, why is the, you know, why is equity and inclusion for, important for you as a company? Not just in terms well, of the, your, your just old makes culture, better. but yeah. yeah. I mean, just how I think the world needs to move. Um, it is moving that way. So, you know, there's not a, a story that can continue forward that only includes a small subset of the community. Um, and, you know, we think about it across a lot of different metrics. So, you know, we do, <laughs> we do try to hire more guys. Um, so guys, if you're listening, when you get the screening questions, you know, write more than a clause, but we also think about it, you know, it's not just, uh, racial diversity or gender diversity, we try to also have people who are from all over the country, people who studied different majors, who um, had different school experiences, um, who've traveled abroad, all different types of things. Because when we're thinking about what we do for our clients, which is trying to reach their different audiences, we need to make sure we have a broad understanding and kind of a creative way of addressing their challenges. So we also think about... um, we do strength-based team building. So uh, making sure we don't have like one dominant way of being at the company, but actually recognize all the different ways that people contribute. Uh, so, you know, introvert, extrovert, uh, folks who are more research-based, folks who are better in the room. Like there's all different ways that we think about uh, the team dynamics. And I think that serves us well. Uh, what are you most uh, proud of in the what five years you've run the company? What, uh, oh, man. Weathering these last couple of years, man. I definitely picked a wild time because we started, you know, with the Trump presidency, which just made the media landscape way more wild and contentious than it had been in any of the years prior. Um, and then, you know, two years in, we faced uh, the pandemic um, and so moved from an in-person environment to totally online and had to think about, you know, the mental health and wellness of folks in such a hard time, um, changing economy. I mean, I had one day where first (laughs) we were already at home. So I was, my house was being remodeled. So we're in a two bedroom apartment with one bathroom, my kindergarten, first grade and senior in high school and my husband's job all in this one tiny place. And the first call or first email I got in the morning was that I'd gotten the PPP, so the Payment Protection Plan loan, which was like a couple hundred grand and was going to cover a month and a half of payroll. And then about an hour later, I found out that our biggest client was not going to be able to spend any more money with us for the year. So that went down below the PPP level. And then like three hours later after that, signed a new contract. So like Giant swings emotionally, giant swings planning wise for a net gain of like eighteen grand. (laughs) (laughs) But you're still around. Still around. So yeah, and I think it's actually hardened a lot of our a lot of our cultural values because we put them in place, we finalized them, illustrated them in January of 2020, 
And then we went into an environment where nobody had the answer, you know? So that's what we really looked to is like, okay, if we, if this is how we agree to be as a company, how do we decide what to do now? We, you know, one of the lessons I think um, we've learned as a school, I would imagine some uh, for you as a company, I'm just, and I'm kind of curious how you're moving forward with it. Um, just as a, as an employee, as a worker, it's so important to be in contact with other people just from a human standpoint. We found from a mental health standpoint and just the socialization of work is really important. You can be very productive at home, but that there's a you know connectivity that you get at you know seeing people, whether it's over a cup of coffee or a meeting, and what happens after the meeting at the workplace. Um, how are you? How, you know, how is that for your employees? And then, what are you doing moving forward with the you know remote in person um, strategy? Yeah. Um, well, I basically ended up being like Nostradamus because in fall of 2020, I decided we were going to go back to the office in March of 2022. And people were like, that's crazy. That's so long. We're going to be back by January. And then mm. every other company started at that time too. Back, back and forth. Yeah. It was just based, I mean, it was based on like our lease um, and other office uh, things. I didn't know if we were going to want to have bigger space, less space where we were going to go. So mm-hmm. just a date. And then it ended up being kind of prescient. Um, we did decide to go back in person, um, not full time. And it was a big question mark because people have gotten so used to being at home. And we actually had some employees who, who decided not to come back because mm-hmm. of that. Um, mostly like right out of school folks who had settled near their home. Right. So they graduated, went home to LA, mm-hmm. San Diego. And I didn't fault them, any of them for that at all, because I felt like, you know, prioritize what's most important for you. And if being home and by your community is the most important, do that, you know, I'll help you find another job. But for us, it was exactly what you said. Um, a couple things, there's a socialization and kind of the psychological safety and trust of knowing people in person. That's really hard to communicate online, especially when, you know, someone, we, we have like eight employees that we hired during the pandemic. So they didn't meet us in person. Um, you know, the online communication is very different generation by generation. I think I'm like young and cool and approachable, but I scare the, scare the young ones when I like put a period at the end of a slack. That's really mean, apparently, if you're 22. Oh, <laughs> um, so my like father sour trained grammar is really uh, scary. Um, so all that kind of stuff, you know, we, we decided to create a, um, a, strict schedule for in-office actually. So we go three days a week. We have mandatory uh, in-office collaboration time from 11 to three. And that goes with our equity stuff. We didn't want to have it be, you know, hybrid come when you want. It was like, these are the hours we're going to be here so that there's no favoritism for who comes in, no um, folks getting invited or not invited, because actually there's a lot of research out that shows that um, inclusion has backslid with remote work Mm -hmm. because folks tend to just, you know, hang out online or center online with the folks they already are most comfortable with. So speaking up in meetings and other things has gotten harder and we really wanted to uh, bridge the, like who was here before the pandemic with who's been hired since from a feeling of involvement and in- inclusion portion. And so far, you know, we're going to survey again in the next couple of weeks just to make sure that we can continually improve the experience for folks, but the improve the, increase in participation from my younger employees or newer employees has been really significant since we've been back. Good. good. So, uh, so how, far, how, I think, give us like you, a beat. 
how do you stay? Um, it sounds like you're very conscientious as a uh, CEO of a company and the founder. Do you? How do you stay abreast with that stuff? Like, how do you keep up on good kind of management and, um, and business practices? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of a glutton for information, so I think I've always been a big reader, a big news person, um, big kind of philosopher about things. Um, so there's a ton of newsletters and other reports that come out, uh, that I read. We actually have a couple of clients where we do their employer brand work. So we're oh, okay. constantly reading reports on trends and everything else. Interesting. Yeah. Actually for me, like, uh, it's one of my best traits and my worst traits because I often kind of can see around the corner to things and I'm like, Oh, no one else sees that this pandemic is going to be as bad as it is. Like how much do I tell them? But like we closed the office, I think 10 days before the city closed down. Um, because the Louvre had closed and I was like, I studied in France. The Louvre is like, <laughs> France has their healthcare, their economy, their tourism, uh, all together. And if they're closing the Louvre, like this thing is bad. <laughs> and I was just thinking about, you know, we have a bunch of young employees who take transit, go out to bars. And I was like, we're going to just be like an infection hub if we keep hanging out. And I didn't want to bring that back to my parents or my sister's immunocompromised and trying to think consciously about that kind of footprint is something I, I spent a lot of energy on. Um, so yeah, I think that I also have a business coach. Um, I recommend that to anyone who has a found who's a founder. So she um, focuses on organizational design, and uh, we get to kind of puzzle through challenges together, uh, and that's really helpful. Um, she works with all of my leadership, and then I have another business coach who just works with me because a founder is a really kind of lonely and distinct position. So I highly encourage anyone who's thinking about doing that to find a community of other founders and also find kind of a partner to talk through the challenges that are distinct to that seat in a, in an organization. So, so um, I want to kind of uh, boomerang back a little bit, a little bit to high school and um, not so much your experience, but you know, uh, with what you've been doing, especially as a founder in this last five years, but even, you know, post college and knowing what you know and doing what you do, what should you know? What should we be doing as a as a high school, and more importantly, as a as a Jesuit uh, high school? Like, what would you say? Hey, pay attention to these things. You know, you mm-hmm. guys got to be doing this to prepare the, this next generation for, um, you know, their their workforce and, and their lives. Yeah, um, I think the Jesuit piece just gets increasingly important um, because there's like a curiosity that goes with that and a social conscious that goes with coming through the Jesuit education, um, that I think is growing increasingly valuable. Um, there's a lot of, you know, skills based stuff you can learn, but if I were going to tell the future, I would say anything that can be automated will be. Uh, and so going into, areas of focus that you're basically doing what a computer will eventually do is going to be a challenging place to go. Whereas if you can bring that human centric, critical thinking, um, questioning kind of attitude that, uh, was really core to my experience at SI forward, that's going to be the place where, uh, you become invaluable because as a leader in particular, um, the empathy and the kind of community awareness is really where I think our success came from over the last couple of years because, 
you know, you could sit and be like, oh, what was it like for me when I was right out of school? What were the challenges? How can I center that experience for this person over, you know, the company productivity or whatever else? Because if you, if human beings feel taken care of, they're going to uh, respond by taking their job seriously as a put, you know, whereas if you're like, take your job seriously, then people feel like a cog in a machine and it, it leads to low satisfaction. And I think if you look at, um, trends over the last couple of years, you know, they call it the great resignation or they call it all different types of things, but a lot of people were just looking for purpose and they were looking for community and they were looking to feel part of something bigger. And I think SI does a really good job of, putting we are SI over we are any piece of SI. And I think the more you can focus on that empathy and that participation in a greater good, the better. Yeah. Good. You're, um, uh, uh, love to get your advice to a, um, a young parent. So let's say you're in your early thirties and you're a young parent and trying to raise a kid. And obviously you're in the middle of doing that, but you also have a perspective, um, in, in doing what you do. What, what, yeah. uh, what advice would you, you give to a young parent? Oh God. <laughs> Be ready to roll with the punches because. No <laughs> um, I would say the time goes really fast. So, you know, one of the decisions I made when I started the company is I put my kids into a um, co-op preschool, same one I went to as a kid, a little hippie place out on Ocean Beach. And that meant I was on campus one morning a week when one kid was there and then six mornings a month when both kids were there. And sometimes it felt really hard to take that time off of work. It was when I was starting the company, but it meant I was really with them Um in those formative years. And I thought that was really cool. So really prioritizing it because I feel like sometimes I'm like, Oh, five years ago I was doing this. And then I realized, Oh, I was not married yet. And I didn't have kids. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. so, you know, work will always be there. Um, put, if you're a parent and that's really an important part of your role, um, which I hope it is for everyone saying that out loud, you know, moms and dads just, this is my priority. I'm going to go home when my kid is sick. I'm going to take off one Friday, a quarter to do a field trip, whatever it is. Um, I think there's a lot more understanding of that than there has been historically. And if you're in a culture that doesn't recognize that, maybe think about whether it's a good fit. Yeah. Um, well, now what and, about, Oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, just like find community, you know, um, because there's always days where, you know, you can't quite make the schedule work or someone gets sent from home, home from school and you're out of town or whatever else. And like making sure that you're parenting in community is really helpful. Uh, Cause it also makes it feel like everything you think is just like the craziest thing that's happening only to you is actually a universal part of having a six month old or a five year old or whatever age your kids are. Um, now, what about to a, 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 you know, a young, um, you know, someone wants to get into business, just getting out of college and whether it's a young man or a young woman, what, uh, you know, kind of looking back over your last uh, 12 years or so, what uh, advice would you give to somebody who's trying to trying to do what you do? Um, I think really paying attention to what 
is special about you and what you really need to thrive. Um, I think, you know, if I think back to my first job, I loved the work and then I got a manager that I just couldn't work with and I was being micromanaged and I was being questioned and it was a low trust environment. And, um, it made me feel horrible every day. I was like, Oh, you know, I have to try this differently. And then I, when I went to my next company, my boss there was like, Oh, but you're so good at these things and other people can be good at these other things. So just partner up and like do what makes you happy in this job and make sure you have a team that supports you on the areas that are harder for you. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's loud. (laughs) It's not just me. Yeah. Right. Oh, and I just like sprinted up the hill from there because I got to really focus on the areas that were my particular strengths. And I felt really satisfied in my job and could take on more and more. And I think, um, that sense of self and really understanding what makes you tick is really important. And even telling employers when I'm hiring folks and they really know, like, this is the kind of environment where I thrive. This is what's challenging for me. I know that we're going to have a relationship as opposed to a directive role, uh, kind of pairing. And that's much better because, if my employees come and say, Hey, I really don't like working on this account or this thing is hard for me. It's so much easier for me to solve the problems. than if I have to kind of guess at what's making folks tick. So really owning your career path is really important. And I had no, I didn't even know what PR was when I was in high school or in college. I was like, so I think that's the other thing is, um, know that like none of the companies I work with existed when I was in high school, you know, the internet barely a thing. We didn't communicate via email. And so the entire world that I work in every day was not, it was barely being imagined then. And so learning those like problem solving, the executive functioning, the creativity, the curiosity, the things that I think a Jesuit education really centers uh, on as opposed to the tactics of a particular thing that exists today is a much better way forward because you don't really know what the world will be when you come out the other end of college. And it sounds like uh, a lot of it's understanding the, you know, human psychology and, you know, meeting people where, where they're at, right. And seeing them, understanding mm-hmm. them as human beings. And then also, and we see this just in terms of how instructions changed um, in the high school level in the last 30 years, a lot of it's together. You know, you're, you're, there's so few jobs where you're just going to be doing something on your own. Your success is going to be tied to really uh, integrating your skill set with others on a, on a common goal, common project. And um, being able to do that and communicate in those totally. moments is really important, right? Hey, um, really appreciate your time. Really important. Uh, yeah. Uh, Martha, uh, you're uh, self-effacing, very, um, uh, very successful with your company and it's very clear why you got a good sense of humor very clear understanding of what you're doing and why and wish you all the success and really appreciate you taking the time with us today thanks so much for having me thank you for listening if you have any suggestions for future interviews please send them our way and if you enjoyed what you heard please like and recommend this podcast The SI Genesis Podcast is a production of San Ignatius College Preparatory in San Francisco, California. To learn more about the school and Jesuit education, visit www.siprep.org. Thank you.